0: Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf GolfMobby's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on Till Hatton's Wentworth win and ask, are hoodies appropriate golfing attire? Hey guys, it's Brooks Koepka and uh, I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Golf Monthly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, brought to you in association with Titleist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit Titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome. My name is Tom Clark, and this week, back from a gloriously sunny week away in Cornwall, is Elliot
1: Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? (laughs) Hi, Tom. Yeah, great to be back. Uh, Yeah, a lovely week in Cornwall. It it was a bit rainy, but there was some nice weather as well. Uh, Just an amazing part of the country, yeah. Excellent. And did you play golf? Yes. Uh, me and my girlfriend played a uh, nine holes. Unfortunately, it got rained off. But yeah, yeah, it was good fun. It was her first ever time on a golf course, and she drove the ball like Bryson DeChambeau, and uh, <laughs> hit her irons a bit like you, I would say. And then she got stuck <laughs> in the she got stuck in the rough on one hole. I think she had about fifteen shots and picked up around the green, but. Uh, yeah, it was very, very enjoyable. We played a course called Sand Bay, which was just beautiful. And it was only 15 quid after 4pm, so really affordable golf down there.
0: As ever, Elliot talks about the price of the golf more <laughs> than the actual standard of the golf. Uh, so if if your girlfriend is uh, doing very well off the, off the tee, does that mean she's
1: out driving you yet? Well, uh, off those red tees, she probably hit one about 180 yards, I reckon, which Boom. Uh, was actually past me, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic news. Only because I was, I was right off the backs, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big hitter that I am. Indeed, indeed. Oh, well, well, that
0: sounds like great fun, great stuff. I, I haven't played any golf because I've been sheltering inside. Cause I was just saying to you, over in sunny Essex, it's not very sunny at all at the moment. It's absolutely pouring with rain. So you may even be able to hear it on the windows in the background. So, um yeah, golf is rather taking a bit of a back step, but um, uh, but all good, but all good. But there was an awful lot of golf uh, at the weekend in the pro ranks. Starting with, let's start at Wentworth, one of your favourite places, Elliot, and uh, one of mine as well, and uh, also one of Till Hatton's, because he won his fifth European Tour title by four strokes, finishing at 19 under to beat Victor Perez uh, at the BMW PJ Championship it's his second win of 2020 after his major pga tour title at the arnold palmer invitational before lockdown amazingly the englishman is now in the world's top 10 for the first time in his career um, and all that great golf and all that great play and amazing achievements the only thing that anyone could actually be bothered to talk about was Till hatton's hoodie <laughs> uh, he wore a hoodie for every round i think he did because it was quite cold over and sorry um so the big question is, Elliot, are hoodies acceptable golf
1: attire? Discuss. Right. Well, yeah, it was it was a great win pattern and now he's third in Europe, I think, in the world ranking. so amazing for him. Um, well, if you look at Twitter, which is a, a very small part of the population, you, you would think that hoodies are, are very acceptable in golf courses, but we all know that they're not. And I think it's, it's good that, that perhaps the dress codes are changing and loosening up, especially to bring new people into the game, especially youngsters. But if he turned, or if I turned up wearing a, a hoodie at Wentworth, they would probably turn me away, don't you think?
0: Well, if I think if you turned up wearing anything, Elliot, you might get turned away from. Wentworth. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sure. So are you saying that you actually think that they're not
1: acceptable? Yeah. Uh... I think they are acceptable if they are made by reputable golf brands. It's, I don't know if that sounds a bit snooty or, or anything, but yeah, if, if you're playing your, your monthly medal at a nice club and, and somebody turns up in a scruffy hoodie, you'd be like, what are you doing, mate? It's You don't wear that at the golf club. Yeah, I get your point. I th- I th- I, well, I think I get your
0: point. I mean, I, I think he's perfectly acceptable. And what he wore, I thought, was actually very, I think he what he wore was very stylish uh, and also very practical, actually, because it wasn't that warm, it wasn't that dry. So actually, I think a hoodie was perfectly good. Uh, and you saw some of the—I think I saw some of the marshals or some of the the uh, TV uh, guys who were uh, either either holding cameras or microphones or something—and they looked absolutely frozen uh, <laughs> at the weekend. And they were all had the snoods on, full waterproof, the whole lot. So actually. Uh, you know, it obviously was quite quite chilly, especially in the evening. So I don't think there's any any real problem with them. I think they look pretty cool. I know they've been very popular. I think that the manufacturer has done pretty well out of, on the back of Hatton Winning. And I think they've actually pretty much sold out of all of them in the country. And I think that shows how popular they are. I think they're just a nice piece of piece of clothing i i get what you're saying about if people just turn up wearing a scruffy hoodie or something like that but if you turn up wearing anything scruffy whether it's a hoodie or a dirty pair of shoes or
1: whatever um you may have someone speak to you at the golf club might not you so yeah are you saying i can go in and play around a golf at a nice club or maybe even a, a not a nice club will allow it because you know dress codes are tend to be stricter at the more private and prestigious clubs but if I just go and turn in my super dry hoodie, um, I, I think that's quite bad, to be honest. I
0: well, know, but there's no Is there actually a rule around... You know, we usually the, the, the comments are around trousers and jeans and stuff like that, aren't they? You know, is there actually a rule saying that you can't wear a hoodie? You're allowed to wear a jumper. Golf jumpers are all over the place, you know. There's a, there's, there's a, a million and one different golf tops that you can wear, you know, whether it's... A base layer, a mid layer, a, f- a windproof a gilet. You know, there's 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 hundreds and hundreds of different products, and I don't understand why hoodie wouldn't be able to do that. If it was pouring with rain, and you put a raincoat on and it had a hood on it, no one would bat a lot and I did, would they?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a good one, and I think perhaps yes, yeah, some some high-profile clubs or the R N A or somebody or England Golf should come out in support of hoodies because. Yeah, Hatton did look smart. It was a very nice hoodie that he wore, and I'm not surprised that it's sold out.
0: Also, haven't we also had this before about the? Um, I can't remember. You might remember the course where there's like an academy, all the kids were playing, and they were all wearing hoodies. I think they were orange hoodies. Yeah, awesome. I remember that. And a lot of people were actually were saying, "Oh, I don't think that people should be." It was ridiculous, you know, that saying oh, they should. The kids shouldn't be able, shouldn't be able to wear that. You know, with nice, comfortable clothing. You know, it's, you know, golf is an outdoor sport. You have to, you know, make sure that you you uh, keep yourself away from the elements as much as possible. And uh, I don't see any problem with it at all. And as you say, I thought it was
1: actually looked very smart. Yeah, no, it was nice. And it was obviously Adidas. And I think the likes of Nike, Puma, Under Armour are going to be trying to get their star athletes wearing hoodies. I think, can you imagine if Rory McIlroy won a tournament wearing a hoodie or Ricky Fowler wore one? Uh, Puma say, so, or even Bryson DeChambeau of Puma say. So. What size hoodie do you think Bryson DeChambeau would need at the <laughs> so, moment? Similar to you, I reckon. <laughs> How many X's? We're, we're talking <laughs> multiple X's here, aren't we? But, uh, uh, but yeah, we could see a change in the golf dress code, which you would have to say would be a good thing because yeah, but I think we're already, like that. That.
0: we're already there though, aren't we? You know, the, the, there
1: is the dress codes are nowhere
0: near as snooty as they used to be, and there's lots of really great. Products out there which are really fashionable, uh, you know the golf shoe is completely different to what it used to be ten years ago. You know a lot of the golf shoes now you'd say I actually look more like trainers than golf shoes, wouldn't you? So, um, and I think that's just going away. This looks a bit more sporty, a bit more relaxed maybe, and I think that's completely fine. And if it's great, then there's so many new people getting into golf at the moment. Golf's doing so well because. It's one of those sports where people can socially distance and play. You know, this kind of stuff is only going to help um, golfers get into, you know, new people discover the sport. Um, which I think is fantastic. And Till Hatton, he's obviously on the pulse. And it is weird that we are talking more about his hoodie than the fact that he's moved into the world's top 10 for the first time, which is a fantastic achievement from him. Um, one that I probably thought think a lot of people didn't think he was capable of when he first came on the scene. But he's he played fantastically, hasn't he? So maybe we should actually be chatting more about his play than his golf attire.
1: Yes, of of course. It's, it's very silly to talk about dress code and it is a very silly subject that golfers love to discuss. Uh, but just to wrap it up, I would like to invite any listeners to attend a golf course wearing a hoodie, send us a picture or just tell us, um, you know, did you get in trouble or, or did you get welcomed for it?
0: Well, we can certainly ask, and if people do want to get in contact, do uh, contact us via our social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram, Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook, or of course you can email Golf Monthly at futurenet dot com. Hatton, let's talk about his his actual performance. Amazing performance in the world's top ten. Big big win for him. And I thought it was a really decent tournament, and I absolutely loved seeing Wentworth. With the autumnal colours just starting to come through, I thought Wentworth looked an absolute picture and it was a really good tournament.
1: Yeah, uh, Hatton obviously won the Turkish Airlines Open last year at a massive event. Then he won at Bay Hill, which is even bigger, his first ever PGA Tour title. Now he's gone and won an event of this stature, the European Tours flagship event. And yeah, he's just stepping up to the plate. He's now the top-ranked English golfer, I think, to be fair. He probably was already. And yeah, very rightly so he's in the world's top 10. I would say it was very sad seeing Wentworth without fans as somebody who is from the local area and attends it for for such a long time and it just did not have that same Wentworth BMW PGA feel which was such a shame I thought.
0: Yeah I think I think you're right it was a shame that there's no fans then and I know Hatton was actually Hatton who's actually I think he's first went to Wentworth when he was five years old to go and watch um, whatever it was at that time. And he's just said he, you know, he's always loved Wentworth and always is very much on his bucket list to try and win there or perform very well there. Uh, he said it's amazing to actually win, of course, but it was somewhat soured because there was no way to celebrate with all the fans that that would have been there. But it was still great to see at least, you know, that there was a tournament played at Wentworth this year and I, I do hope that they keep wentworth at this time of year or well maybe not this quite so late maybe in september or something like that i just think the course is in such better condition i thought the greens were fantastic i know they've got a lot of technology going underneath those greens but i just thought the course was was superb and it was just a really good challenge of golf wasn't it it was you know it really did. i think i think it showed up i think with justin harding poor justin harding uh, i don't know if you saw his scores but he shot 66 in round one and obviously had a very good day and then shot 81 in round two and showed, you know, if your game's not quite on it, it went with, it, it can really, really hurt you, can't it? Um, I just think it's a really, really good test of
1: golf. Yes, it's brilliant. It's easily one of our best courses. We don't rank it in our top 100 because it is now exclusive. But if it wasn't, I think it would be probably just below Sunningdale in terms of inland courses in the country. It's conditioning is out of this world good at the moment basically since they dug the greens up they've got the the air system the land it's on is just beautiful The the forest the the heath land it's um yeah it's just great and do you remember Ernie Els kind of did it up didn't he about a decade ago and he got quite a lot of criticism for it they they probably went a little bit too extreme they made the bunkers far too deep and they've tweaked that 18th hole quite a few times but I think now they've got it exactly where it needs to be and um but the players love it. I remember Ian Poulter never used to come because he didn't like it. And now he's pretty much appearing there every single year. You never really hear a negative word about it anymore.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I, I remember when um, when Ayles did do those first changes and there was a bit of criticism about it because some of those were hugely dramatic. You know, they were... Um, I remember do- Nick Doherty on the podcast last week, he mentioned that you used to be able to play those last three with a chance of maybe even a five under, because you may- there there's a birdie chance and two eagle chances on there. Now it's completely different, and actually it's very, very tough finish. Some proper, proper holes. You can still get those eagles, but there's double bogeys waiting for you as well. So uh, it's really dramatic, and I think they've got it spot on. Um, and it's great to see. So Hatton, what do we think he's going to go on and do? Is he going to move on? Is this the peak of his career now? Or is he going to go on to do bigger and better things?
1: I think he's definitely going to go on to do bigger and better things. I think he's only 28 years old. I think he's going to be 29 quite soon. And basically has the world at his feet. He's got experience. He's just such a great ball striker in terms of how accurate he is. I mean, I know he he wasn't too happy with his goals on the final day. But throughout the week, he was just hitting fairway after fairway. His iron plays brilliant. His putting is exceptional as well, and his short game. Basically, he doesn't really have a weakness. And he's shown time and time again that he can play on the top stages and he doesn't get phased. I mean, he could have easily choked this away. He could have easily choked away the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and he doesn't. So he's clearly a player for the world stage. Yeah, and it, I mean, he's an exceptional putter,
0: isn't he? Uh, that's the yeah. thing which I really get helps him over the line and I know he he's sometimes a little bit frustrating to watch He he shouts a lot at himself or at the ball or if he doesn't hold a putt he seems to maybe sometimes linger a little bit too much on that uh but actually he seems to just use that to move forward doesn't he he doesn't seem to linger on any of that so um uh yeah we're really looking forward to seeing Hatton fantastic player you know if he's ever going to win a major he's a very very good links player. We've seen how well he's done over at the Alpha Dunhill Links Championship, where I think he's won it twice and finished second as well. He is someone who could have a very good Open Championship uh, one week and absolutely win it. So uh, really, really well, well, well done to him. And uh, we we'll look forward to seeing what he has to offer in the weeks and months ahead. We're going to move over now to the PJ Tour, where there was an emotional victory for Martin Led, who won his first PJ Tour title in over seven years at the Shriners Open, beating Matthew Wolfe and Austin Cook in a playoff. The Scott birded the second extra playoff hole after bogeying the 18th regulation to win his fourth PJ Tour title. He moves up to 88th for the world and is now the top-ranked Scottish male golfer. Um now I hadn't seen, Martin Led, unfortunately, has fallen away over the last few years due to a bit of loss of form and also some injuries so it was great to see him playing so well again um, and obviously getting the victory done I actually managed to watch quite a bit more of this than I thought I was going to be able to and his short game was incredible on the last day he held this amazing shot on the ninth when he his ball was semi-plugged at the top of a bunker. Um, and I think he did well to get it out of the bunker, but he actually hold it. And then on the 17th, where he looked like he was starting to maybe wobble a little bit, he's a massive wayward right, huge slice, which hit the cart path. Um, And then he managed to chip under some trees onto the green and then hold a 20-footer. Um, and he just—it just seemed to be, even though he did bogey eighteen and meant, which meant he was in the playoff. Um, it just seemed to be to me that it he, he was written in the stars that he was going to win this event, and it was great
1: to see, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's—he's um, he's a bit younger than I thought he was actually. I thought he was like near his mid forties, but he's only thirty-seven, and to beat Matt Wolf, who's one of the best players in the world at the moment in great form, was was really uh, impressive. When you think that he hasn't won in over seven years. I remember back when I was a kid, I guess when I was like 13, 14, didn't have Sky Sports, used to watch the PGA Tour highlights every week on YouTube. And Martin Laird was a quality player back then. I think he won twice in 2009 or something. He uh, he won this tournament in 2009. Then he finished runner-up the next year after losing out to a hole-in-one in the playoffs by Jonathan Bird, if you remember that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah just a, a great golfer. Don't see him much over in Europe, do you? So um, obviously based in the States.
0: Yeah, I think he's. He went to college in the states, in the and he's very much um, part of the furniture over there, and and it shows. I mean, he's a, he's always been known for being a very good putter. And I remember when I first started working at golf mobility he was one of the big names coming through, um, always seemed to do well almost week in week out, always top ten, top twenty, and then he just seemed to fade away. So, uh, I mean, he was being talked about for Ryder Cups and all this, all kinds of stuff, really. Um, so, um, it looks like he's um his short game is where, if, if that's on song, then actually he has a really good chance to compete. He doesn't hit it anywhere near as long as the likes of Wolf and some of the other big young guns. But he obviously can show that he can still get it around. And, um, you know, to shoot, what did he shoot in the end? 23 under, 22 under? You know, that's a, that's a, a very good score over four, four rounds. Did you see what the cut was uh, at the Shriners Open? No, it didn't. What was it? It was seven under, which was the lowest uh, cut mark, I think, ever, or something like that, or or, or in a long time. It was, you know, The first few days, there was not a breath of wind, um, and it looked like it was going to be close to being 30 under par, which was going to win it. But actually, the wind got up a bit over the weekend, and the um, scoring became a little bit tougher. But the difference in the challenge at... Um, the course in Vegas to where to Wentworth was a uh, was completely different, wasn't it?
1: Well, again, yeah, the scores weren't too different. Actually, Hatton was um, 19 under, wasn't he? But I think second place was 15. Um, but yeah, it's just you know you get those weeks on the PGA Tour where the courses are very scoreable. Um, not the most enjoyable weeks for me, to be honest. But I did actually think the final round here was really entertaining. Yeah, no, no,
0: exactly. It's, it's. Tough. I mean, I. I I mean, I, I'm a big Vegas fan, and I think it's very it's very picturesque where they play, but it, the scoring is just too too easy, and they can just hit it anywhere, and they find the ball pretty much. Um, except if you're Brighton to share. Now, did you watch any of Brighton's round on Saturday? No, he, he had a med, didn't he? On he, he hit it, he hit it off the planet. And obviously, when he hits it off the planet, it goes properly off the planet. Um, He was hitting it out of bounds. He was hitting provisionals out of bounds. He was having a shocker. And he was, I think, six over through the front nine and finished, I think, level par for the round. It was, you know, he's just, he's very, very entertaining, Bryson. And, you know, when he was up at the top of the leaderboard uh, at the halfway stage, it did look like he might start running away with it. Um, but it shows he still does have the odd issue where he does suddenly lose um, the control with the driver. And he may still have the distance, but the direction was certainly not there. So um, he's very, very entertaining to watch. You just don't know what's going to come next for him. And it is either it's either incredible or almost laughable, some of it, sometimes. Um, there was a bit of chat over the weekend about uh, about some quotes uh that Matthew Fitzpatrick said at Wentworth saying that he didn't think that what Bryson was doing was skill. Um I don't know if you saw them Elliot. Yes, uh
1: yeah. Fair play to Fitzpatrick for, for speaking his mind. But um yeah I, I to be fair, I guess I agree with him. It's uh, uh it's a, a really difficult topic. Bryson is such a hard worker, so skilled, but then on the other hand he, he is um, being allowed to do so by the equipment. So yeah, I think we've spoke about this so many times, haven't we? It's um, it's kind of a, a, a break point at the moment, and I think the, the uh, governing bodies are going to be very, very concerned, and we could seriously see some changes very soon. Yeah,
0: I mean, Shambo, I, I think that Shambo actually should get a little bit more credit. Um, I think yeah. it's just because he's so bullish about it, and some people can say too arrogant about it, but uh, I think what he's done, you know, he's he's put an awful lot of work in. You can't just suddenly say that I'm going to put on this amount of much of muscle. I'm going to start trying to, you know, the, the amount of hours he's spent in the gym, you know, and, and honing that technique, that very, very unique technique, I think should be applauded. And also, let's face it, at the US Open, he didn't win it because he was hitting the the ball so far. He won it because his short game was superb. His putting was fantastic. Um, You know, and I think Matthew Fitzpatrick probably sees, you know, DeChambeau as the complete opposite player to him. Fitzpatrick hits fairways and greens I'm a big fan of Matthew Fitzpatrick I think he's a fantastic golfer um you know he's a very very talented golfer world's top 20 player but he plays the game in the completely opposite way to DeChambeau and I think um yeah maybe Fitzpatrick was just a bit annoyed I don't know it's it's, it's rare for him to, to come out and say something like that but um it's certainly been a talking point I mean I think Justin Thomas uh, tweeted about Shambo saying how actually he, he, he deserved to get a bit more credit so um
1: yeah, I think um, it's a story that's going to rumble and rumble, isn't it? Yeah, I, I did see the 16th hole as well at TPC Summerlin where Matt Wolf drove it about 390, had a wedge into a 530-yard par 5 and it's just like, just make it a par 4. It, these holes are, are not par 5s anymore, basically. Yeah, yeah. But, um, sorry, on the other hand as well, the guys that went with were not hitting it very far because it was cold air. The guys in Vegas are obviously going to hit far because it's very hot and sunny. So I think that needs to be taken into account as well.
0: Yeah, and also the um, uh, in Vegas are actually playing at altitude as well. They're actually quite they're quite a way above sea level. Um, so um, I think there's yeah there's lots to to be um, to be spoken about about it. And it's a shame that there wasn't a few other of the Americans playing at Wentworth. It was great to see Patrick Reed this week. Um, he played played very well. I thought. Um, you know, Patrick Reed doesn't always have an, a huge amount of fans, but what we must say is that he always has gone over and supported the European Tour, which is a lot more than the other guys. And um, he's obviously he's got a he's got a chance to win the race to Dubai, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Good on Patrick. I think yeah, just fair play to him. He's uh, an honorary life member of the European Tour. He's a world player, and I think it's probably why he's one of the world's best players because he tests his game all over the planet in all different conditions, and yeah, good on him. He, he had a really good week. I love that he made uh, back-to-back eagles on the 18th over the weekend as yeah.
0: well, yeah, that's Yeah, um, that was pretty impressive, wasn't it? Uh, moving on, we're going to quickly touch on the women's games. Um, See Young Kim broke records on the way to her maiden major victory at the Women's PJ Championship. She shot 63 in the final round, featuring four birdies in the last six holes to beat three-time winner the Park by five. Kim broke the final round scoring record and tournament record score. After 10 LPGA Tour titles, this was her first major. And she's now up to second in the world. Um, and it was really good that they actually showed quite a lot of this on
1: Sky. Did you manage to watch any of it? Uh, I saw a little bit of it on the, in the pub on Saturday. And then um, missed it on Sunday because it was on so early. But, yeah, amazing. I can't believe she hasn't won a major before. Because, obviously, she's won 10 LPGA Tour titles before this. and. Um, yeah, the way she closed it out was just incredible with that 63. Four birds yeah. in the last six to beat b Park, who, you know, her country woman who she knows all about, and has won I think seven major titles herself. Yeah, to do that was just absolute class. Yeah, and I think we, I think a couple of weeks
0: ago when you were last on, we were moaning a bit about the lack of women's golf on Sky. Uh, Georgia Hall won over in America and we hadn't been able to watch it. But since then, Mel Reid won and we managed to watch that, and then obviously with the the pj championship at the weekend being at a different time zone to the men's tournament actually there was loads of women's golf on and there was loads of golf on at the weekend it was it was about it must have been something like 15 straight hours of it or something like that which is a fantastic amount of sport um and there's an awful lot of sport going on at the moment and uh, it's glad that uh, i'm glad that golf is holding its own it, i really am uh, and, um, yeah, hopefully they'll show a lot more of the women's game in the weeks to come.
1: Yeah, it was also uh, live on Sky Sports' YouTube as well, so you've got to say fair play to Sky for doing that. Um, and back to golf being shown everywhere, it's also been on the BBC the last couple of weeks with highlights of the Scottish Open. I watched that in Cornwall because we didn't really have any Wi-Fi, so that was just on BBC, which was a massive boost. And then the BMW PGA is also on BBC via uh, highlights as well, so... Yeah, good that the games are really getting out there.
0: Absolutely. It's fantastic, isn't it? So moving on to this week, uh, we have two tours we're going to chat about very quickly. And that is firstly the PJ Tour, the CJ Cup. Now, the CJ Cup has relocated from South Korea to Las Vegas as Justin Thomas defends the title he won last year. With a huge purse of $9.75 million, it's no surprise that the field is super strong. Featuring the world's top five. 2018 winner Brooks Kepka returns from injury after missing the Fence Cup playoffs and US Open. Who do you like the look
1: of this week? Well, the form guy has to be Matt Wolf after two runner-up finishes in his last two starts. So uh, I would have to go there. I would I would say I, I guess he's one of the tournament favorites as well. So he, well, he's would... he can get him at twenty to one. So actually, very very decent odds, really. Yeah, that
0: is very good. I like the look of someone who fell away, actually, at the weekend, and that's Patrick Cantlay. Um, you know, he was probably the favourite going into uh, the final round of the Shriners' Opens but, um, because he's won it, I think, won it twice and then it runs up in the third time he's played. So uh, he fell away a bit, but he's obviously someone who likes playing that part of the world. Uh, you get him at about 25 to 1.
1: What do you think about any of the big, the big guns? What about Rory? Rory, you just can't really predict him, can you? John Rahm and DJ, I'm just looking now, they're the favourites. I think that's very fair that they turn up week after week, don't they? Thomas as well, yeah, I quite like the look of him. Um, Another one, Tyrrell Hatton. You know, he's obviously had a long trip to Vegas, but he's in the form of his life, isn't he? So, yeah, I'd I'd, um, be interested to see how he goes.
0: Yeah, and there is some really, really long odds for some really decent players um, to be looked at, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's lots. Of, Ian, Ian Poulter had a very good week last week. I know he, again he's someone who's obviously then having to travel over, but he's 66 to one. Rose is 66 to one. Ricky Fowler, who you know, obviously struggling with his game a bit at the moment, but he's. He's always dangerous, 66 to 1 as well. So there's loads and loads of good value. So as ever for our betting tips, do check out the golf betting tips on the Golf Monthly website or just Google Golf Betting Tips and click on the Golf Monthly posts. The other event this week is, again, in Scotland. This the Scottish Championship. Lee Westwood, Eddie Pepperell and Matt Wallace headline the field at Fairmont St Andrews this week on the European Tour. It's the first of four consecutive tournaments with just a €1 million euro purse, Um, There's Italy the next week, then two consecutive Cyprus events. Now, before we say who we
1: fancy to do well this week, do you think this is uh, evidence that the European Tour is struggling a little bit? Yeah, big time. I think we've got to say well done to Lee Westwood, Eddie Pepperell, Matt Wallace, well, especially Lee Westwood for supporting his home tour when he he really doesn't need to because he's got more money than he can probably spend. But um, yeah, it does seem that outside of the Rolex series... Every single event on the European Tour at the moment seems to be 1 million euros. I think the biggest since lockdown has been 1.25 million euros. And if the Tour wants to attract the biggest names, which I'm not even sure if it wants to anymore, I think it just wants to give playing opportunities to as many people as possible. Um, But they're just going to stay stateside because every single week in America it's $7 million. This week it's $9.75 million dollars. It, yeah, it looks really difficult for the tour, and it is, it's sad to see after such a great revival under uh, Keith Pelley. But doesn't it doesn't like tough ahead.
0: being slightly
1: negative on it, Elit, if I'm, if I'm honest with you. And I know you
0: just said, oh, outside the Rolex series, but actually, the Rolex series is part of the European tour. And that's yeah. in the last two weeks on the BMW and the Scottish Open, the field in Europe has been stronger than that in the PJ tour and you can see that by looking at the world ranking points available uh, you can see that actually the european events have actually been very strong so i think and also i think we do need to remember the circumstances that we find ourselves at the moment and actually it's a completely new schedule this wasn't the schedule that was supposed to be uh, happening at the start of the year the whole world's, you know, gone all a bit mad. And I think it's just great that any golf being played, being played at all, to be honest with you. You know, last week, how much did Hatton win last week? He won over, I
1: think he won over a million dollars, didn't he? Yeah, he would have done. No, The Rolex series are absolutely fantastic. And, yeah, the tour has done so well to maintain those, despite what's going on in the world. But, yeah, it's, it's just sad to see how um, pushed back they've been when the PJ Tour hasn't been at all. Yeah,
0: but I think we. Yeah, I think it's still. I, I do understand what you're saying. It is a very small purse compared to any of the PJ Tour events. To be honest with you, uh, I don't think any of the PJ Tour events have, have such small purses. So, it's something I think they're going to try and work on. Uh, but I think it should be a good tournament. There's some good players playing in there, and of course, it's on a, a decent golf course as well. Um, is there anyone that
1: you think you like the look of? Uh, I always like Gavin Green. He's at twenty-eight to one. Just a, a brilliant player who. Still hasn't won on the European Tour, I think, which is such a surprise when uh, he was playing in like the Malaysian Open or something when he was about 11 years old. So he's just an exceptional talent that I think will go on to have a, a very successful career. Um, also, Sam Horsfield, I think I was just so impressed with him in the UK swing. 25 to 1 looks quite good odds so. there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I was going to mention Sam Horsfield. I think he's a he's a very good uh, pick. Also, I like the look of Connor Syme, actually. You know he's had a very good last few weeks and months actually since we've come out of lockdown he's 33 to 1 and i do like brandon stone he's one of my uh, favorite players he's he's a decent player in those conditions as well so he's 40 to 1 so again do um check out the golf betting tips on the golf Monkey website or just google golf betting tips and click on our links so what have you got planned for
1: the rest of the week elliot anything exciting well i'm playing golf on sunday uh, at my home club i might go and wear a hoodie down there and just see if anybody <laughs> turfs me out uh but yeah that's about it what about you well we've got obviously a big big week
0: ahead because it's um amazon prime day which is today and tomorrow so there's we're doing a little bit of coverage on the website about all the great golf deals that are on offer at the moment so um if you do fancy a decent deal do check out our website and we've been scouring the internet for the best deals for you to have so uh, maybe an early
1: christmas present or something like that uh, so do check them out anything that you spotted that you, you want to get for yourself everything basically yeah I, i've been doing a few of those articles and, and yeah it's it's very good I, I didn't think it was very good last year or the year before for golf but it's really kind of stepped it up this year there's some great shoe deals apparel gps's just yeah everything really so uh, it's going to be very difficult to keep my bank card in my wallet, I'd say. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we'll find out next week if
0: uh, what you bought and what you didn't buy and also who did well on the PGA Tour and European Tour. As ever, do keep in touch with anything at the Golf Monthly on the social media channels, at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. And until next week, Elliot, I'll speak to you later.